Good evening, and welcome back to the Brain Blocks podcast, uh, right at the intersection of neuroscience and culture. I'm joined uh, with Isaac, and we are going to be talking about some uh, neural enhancement or cyber enhancement. Yeah, you were talking about the use of neural enhancement. I think we're not really, we're looking at that from a broad perspective. So when we think of neural enhancement, obviously our mind sort of jumps to a bunch of different things about sort of cyborgs and Blade Runner and all these types of things. But I mean, at its core, neural enhancement is only um, anything which can make you, which can improve your neural state. Most notably, and sort of, I think it would surprise a lot of people to know that we've used neural enhancement. We've used neural enhancement since the 30s. The military right now uses neural enhancement. That's in the form of amphetamines, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I was looking at like a, I think it was like a Finnish aircraft. Um, it's like a field kit, and it was just, it just, they just had tabs full of amphetamines. And that's cause, just because all it does is it, it releases, it activates the synapses um, and inhibits dopamine reuptake. And then more generally, that would lift mood, increase wakefulness, and sort of enhance the ability to concentrate. Um, and then also, that can increase oxytocin and decrease cortisol. Oxytocin is, of course, sort of the love. Sometimes it's called the love hormone. It's more sort of a friendship bonding hormone. Uh, love hormone gets a little bit crazy sometimes. Um, and then cortisol is, of course, stress hormone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we use neural enhancement in everything we do. Yeah, and this could even be, I mean, neural enhancement, I guess, is, like you said, a little too broad of a, of a, a term because even... Um, you know, like nootropics, like uh, lion's made the mushroom, um, you know, that's used as a natural, you know, neural enhancement for um, single moms and uh, workout buffs alike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've been, yeah, they've been tribes. Everyone sort of had some sort of type thing. Even going back from sort of with the decision of we know what it is, we know what it does, we're doing that. I mean, Aztecs use cacao that has caffeine. That's a neural enhancement. Um, Ethiopian cultures have used coffee since like thousands of years. Oh, that's true. Yeah, if you even consider um, stimulants like you're saying, a coffee or a tea, yeah, that's probably, yeah, yeah thousands of years to to the point where it, begets, it gets harder and harder to document where the first use might have been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've even seen, I think we've seen chimpanzees do things like that. It's just sort of in our nature to look for ways to enhance what we have right now. I mean, if you think about tool use, and that's sort of the basis of intelligence, that's uh, biologically how we sort of determine how intelligent a species is. Um, it's just a tool, you know? We're not using it with our hand, we're using it with our brain. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Instead of using our fist to beat rocks, or instead of using our fist to be fruit or nuts, we're going to use a rock. Um, obviously, we're you know maybe maybe before the neural enhancements, we were using our fist to be rocks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, of course, with how much we've evolved and with how good we've gotten in tools, eventually we're going to get to something a little bit more powerful than a stick or a coffee bean. Um, and I think neural enhancement as a sci-fi concept really starts with CRISPR. Um, so CRISPR is essentially just something which can precisely modify 
genetic code in the form of DNA. We've had things to precisely modify to modify genetic code generally, um, in some form or another by you know uh, injecting DNA into to certain type of um, not bacteria but protozoa. I forget what it is, but CRISPR uses the Cas9 protein um, to precisely cut it at the um, DNA sequence and then directly inject uh, a wanted DNA into that. Now, CRISPR has been sort of, it's been targeted as a cure for all kinds of things. Within the next five years, probably, we're going to see something with uh, Huntington's disease, which is a very broad, it's just genetic disorder. It's a genetic disorder which can cause a whole lot of issues. Um, and then all sorts of genetic disorders from that point on. Um, but looking further in the future, we've got Alzheimer's, which could be prevented with it because that's a neurodegeneration. Um, and then even further, we've got designer babies, we've got, you know, muscular genetics, we've got all types of things. Yeah, that's incredibly fascinating. I mean, um, like you're saying, if we're able to um, really specifically manipulate the DNA um, with this Cas9 uh, and the, the implement, implementation of their um, kind of guided RNAs to write our own code. Yeah, man, I mean, the possibilities are really endless. And then, um, yeah, I don't know, endless, or should I say limitless, like the TV show Limitless that has that, <laughs> has the bill. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's more of a long-term, you know, way, uh, way out technology that we would be taking, um, you know, throughout the day to kind of uh, accelerate that. But it's, it's interesting because a DNA manipulation, um, wouldn't a DNA manipulation be long-term unless, um, you know, we already have, it, well, yeah, wouldn't it be long-term? Wouldn't we already, w if we did that, like you're saying, um, designer babies, oh, I want my baby to be super buff and super smart. Wouldn't that be for the rest of his life? Um, yeah, mainly. The, um, CRISPR can be used in certain circumstances to replace the DNA. Um, it's actually been used in HIV. It's been in rats, 99% uh, HIV cellular use. If you inject a CRISPR gene, something so it rejects the HIV I think it you can bring the rate of infection down to 48 percent uh, I mean which is huge and which is it's it's right at the level of the drugs that we have right now but so sort of pairing that we could definitely see a cure for HIV in sometime soon um, but it would mainly be a long-term genetic code but I mean also ethically that would raise a whole host of issues as you're destroying sort of the natural evolution of things and I mean at the end of the day if we think about it humans are uh, just animals who look for mates with characteristics we, de we deem good so if we can manipulate that then I mean we could see regular humans being outbred in sort of two mm. generations oh that's an interesting point um yeah, these cybernetic, almost, you know, cyber-enhanced uh, humans would have a, a dramatic advantage over um, <laughs> natural or quote-unquote vanilla humans. Um, but something that, uh, you know, we always forget as humans or we, we don't enjoy thinking about is that we're natural as well. You know, we are from the monkeys. 
you know, even though the cars that we drive and the buildings we make don't look anything like what's in the jungle, you know, we, <laughs> that's where we came from. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm already delving into the ethics or morals argument, but yeah, I would, I would almost say that, no, this is, <laughs> this is natural selection. This is natural progression because we are humans and we are, you know, evolved monkeys. Therefore, you know, we, we are natural. Yeah, we're evolved monkeys simply looking for a way to use a tool. And is CRISPR just going to be one more tool that sort of goes in the toolbox? Like a monkey using a straw to enter an um, a anthill. It's the same type of thing. Mm. Um, but then I do have a question for you, which is, would you use CRISPR? Oh, I would. I mean, uh, I'm sure you could guess just from how I'm uh, phrasing this ethics. I would totally, I would totally use it. I mean, I would be... Um, I would be very open to trying it because I, um, you know, uh, I guess there would still be a little bit of a fear, of course, uh, with uh, it being a newer developed technology and not, um, you know, especially let's say I'm, let's say I'm lucky enough to be one of the, you know, 10 first people to try it. I, you know, that would be, maybe then I would, maybe then I would say, oh, let's see how those first 10 do before I del delve in. But, um, you know, I, I think it would be, I think it would be really interesting not just to see what it is doing to, to, to me, but how much I could really truly notice and really truly say, oh, this is because of the CRISPR, you know, this is, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to have this focus. I wouldn't have been able to have this um, mental ability without this substance or drug. Yeah. Would you? It's, yeah, it's tough to say whether or not I'd use CRISPR. Uh, luckily, I probably won't have to make that decision ever. Because, um, <laughs> but I mean, for kids, definitely. For kids, definitely it's going to be used. And whether or not you use it on your kid, I think would be the even deeper ethical dilemma. <sighs> um, because you're putting them into a, you know? Like what that's a, been? Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, you're unwillingly um uh yeah subjecting this newborn child to to a whole realm of possibilities that you know maybe may, i think it would be even worse if you didn't take it and you injected it into your child you know that could be even ethically worse but i don't know i still go back to the same standpoint and maybe this is um maybe this is incredibly harsh or incredibly terrible of me to even think but i kind of go back to the same thought process that well you know, it, by me having a kid, I am already, you know, admitting, uh, I'm already admitting a, a soul to whatever genetic code that I have, you know. So if I'm, it, it, oh, not only the genetic code that I have, but the environment that I live in, you know, uh, yeah. if, whether I'm wealthy or poor, uh, how well I'm doing in um, locationally, it, it, literally everything is something that they can't really decide you know they they've already been they're already you know they're born they're they just have to deal with this um so i would almost argue that it's a part of that same yeah you know, yeah part of the same argument for me in my mind where i go back to yeah i i would still personally i would i would have to you know try it myself before i force it onto uh, a kid that you know a, a, a newborn that has has no experience of the world except for this CRISPR drug, but 
I, I probably, I probably still would if I could somehow, um, you know, try it and then give it to my kids. Yeah. I think the sort of dilemma of designer babies is very interesting because you are messing with the natural order. Um, and I mean, I guess, so for widespread use, I think you could make no other de declaration than it needs to be allowed. Because if you think about it right now, we do already sort of use a sort of, from the genetic code, we pick things. Um, I mean, Iceland, if a pregnancy has been uh, pinpointed to have um, sort of a baby with Down syndrome in early screening, 99% of those don't proceed to, um, to birth. Um, so we use that right now to the point where I think you need to have that opportunity. Whether or not I take that personal um, ability would be something else. I don't think I would, just because I think, uh, I don't know, though. Because at the same time, you reach in that same, is it ethical to not give someone a privilege that other people have, you know? Yeah. Assuming it's afforded to you. Yeah, that would be. What CRISPR could be in the future, you could have. I mean, um, there are other planets with sort of similar atmospheres, but no oxygen. If we could modify baby to respirate, um, I don't know, methane, or to have gills, then that could massively benefit our species in a uh, in a whole in a different way. Wow! Yeah, planetary exploration baby specifically tied to a certain atmosphere. That actually, that's incredibly, that's incredibly interesting. That's incredibly fascinating. Um, I would be, yeah, I would be incredibly curious if, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I would, I would still go back to the same mentality that, yeah, I would totally, um, yeah, I, I would, I would allow myself to be one of those very lucky few. And then, I don't know, then you could even go into spirituality and, you know, the 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 meaning of life are we just one of those yeah <laughs> where we started <laughs> uh, but it's still it's still an incredibly interesting yeah thought process and argument to kind of delve into because yeah would it be we wouldn't the i guess the big problem the reason why it would be a huge argument is we wouldn't know the outcome until it's already happened that's that's really the only issue with it no yeah as much testing as we can do on mice on rats and monkeys nothing can sort of rev um, replicate the sentience afforded to humans exactly exactly yeah i mean i think with those questions i think we can call an episode because yeah i'd be curious to hear what anyone uh listening to the podcast has to say or or their argument uh or their thought process on the matter because you know, it's, I mean, obviously, we're just two people talking about what we think in the same way that anyone who responds to this, anyone who's commenting or reaching out about this is saying what they have to think. And uh, I, I, yeah, I'd be curious to hear other opinions. Um, maybe there's something we didn't really cover or talk about. But I think we covered the bases pretty well in terms of the argument. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we're lucky enough, we're lucky enough to um, kind of be on opposite sides of the table here. But um, no, I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to see if anyone else has an opinion they'd love to share. Yeah. 
Um, so from the Brain Blocks podcast, uh, this is Isaac and Gunnar. We're going to sign off.